You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. (laughs) It's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realize it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. You just caught us. Is. We're in a recording session for this our latest is me single. In my life, stretching at all times. Okay, well, we're we're gonna try to record this intro for a third time. It's a third I. time. We had two great <laughs> intros, so we're just getting warmed up over here. <laughs> um, hey, guys, it's. A second episode this week. Yes, baby. It's our part two for the 2017 episode recap. We uh, chose a handful of episodes that we thought we had little, you know, nuggets of information, inspirations, aha moments, as Oprah would say. Aha moments, um, if you will. That we wanted to share with you again in one episode. So just to to make it easier, you Mm -hmm. know. A little recap from the year. So if you're new to the Almost 30 podcast, welcome. Go give your friend a big hug for sending you over here. (laughs) And then if you're old, we love you. Thanks for coming back. Um, This episode's a little bit different than what we normally do. So we are, as Lindsay said, cherry picking some episodes and then bringing quotes from those to recap 2017, which was epic for the podcast. It was epic. It was epic. Super pumped for this year. Um, All right. So let's just jump into it. Mm -hmm. Our first conversation is with one of our uh, best GFs. Uh, She inspires us all the time, Mm -hmm. Danica Breisha. She is the CEO and founder of Model Meals. She is a uh, super model. She is future like author. Oprah. Oprah. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. All of that. We were so honored to have her on. It was our first time meeting Danica in the um, in the flesh, in the studio, but we have, she has been a part of our events mm-hmm. and we've hung out with her a bunch since and she continues to inspire us. So enjoy this conversation. What do we talk about? We talk about self-care and Danica's self-care routine, which is freaking incredible. So self-care is a huge topic for us, especially into 2018. So hearing about her approach to it and her flexibility with it is really inspiring. So I know you're going to love it. All right, guys, let's jump in. I used to go at wellness like really wrong. Mm. And I'll tell you why. I had this checklist. I had a daily self-care checklist and I created it in this app called Evernote. And it was a checklist of all the things that Mm -hmm. if I did them, you know, all the wellness practices that if I did them every day, I would have like the best day ever. Like that would, I would keep myself in a really great headspace. So it started with just, I mean, this started as a way to like track my meditation or, or my like clean eating or something. And so it would just have like a checkbox each day. Well, this list over the course of a year or two became really long. So it would be like meditation, gratitude, affirmations, bio from the future, vision board, like goals, 
like sleep, vitamins, bone broth. I mean, it got like really, really excessive. <laughs> yeah. Like three days like, later. Seven, okay. Like shut up. So yeah. True. Yeah. Like work hours ended at seven, didn't bring an electronic in the bedroom. And it became this way to almost shame and guilt myself. Of oh, like, wow. here's wow. the way, here's all these wellness things. And if you don't do every single one today, mm-hmm. like you're, you're a fucking failure. You didn't, yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. didn't have the best. Thing. And, I, and so for a long time, I was following that. I was actually about to write a book on it. I had started uh, because yeah, you do feel really good when you do that stuff all the time, but you forget about that underlying layer of guilt and it's just, it's wrong. It didn't leave any room for fun or spontaneity mm-hmm. or friends totally. or yeah. anything. I just really, it's really easy to take wellness and isolate with it and to try and be perfect with it. So for me now I'm finding this balance and, and my wellness practice nowadays is, you know, I try to meditate as often as I can. I haven't been doing it every day lately and I think that's good. Like I think, I think it's good to not be like I do this every single day mm-hmm. but but clean eating of course that's just built into you know I have model meals all the time I still let myself have other stuff but I, I usually have model meals fitness I do a lot of yoga I, I like to walk I like to um, do Pilates and like interval training sleep is super important mm-hmm. I think I actually Everything people are always surprised underrated. but sleep is I think sleep is the most important thing more than food more than anything yeah so sleep's really important I do try and keep my phone out of my bedroom at night so my boyfriend and I like we like put the alarm on in the other room and then go to bed not oh that my gosh. boyfriend sleeps I over dad that. dad oh my god <laughs> I wish that Justin always has his phone before bed uh-huh. and every night like I he's like I keep lately being like, you should. He's like, hey, every time you say you should, you should probably stop because you know it's going to piss me off. So I'm always like, you should you should really not do that. I'm like, you should not have your phone in your yeah. bed. I'm like, you should meditate and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But he always has his phone in the bed. <laughs> but I, yeah, I can relate to that. So the but the, the couple things I do do whenever I have the time to do them and I use Evernote still. This is so basically I have I still have a daily checklist, but I just took off most of it. Mm-hmm. And so it's super it's just now it's a little more spiritual. It's a place to put the things that are not necessarily like things I check off, but more a place to put my gratitude and stuff. And I, I love to write. So it has um, I have a the top of the list. I write the, basically I have a template and it's a template of a blank one. And then every day I'll copy paste that and put it into a new note with the day's date at the top. And then I'll have the top of it says has three my three to do's for the day. And I'm only allowed to have three because we all know that we can get a to do list and put like yeah. 75 things on it. Yeah. So it forces me to prioritize and, and, and it also get, makes things manageable to just see three tasks. So I put my three to do's on there. I write what I'm, um, I check off that I have a clean space that I've made That's my bed a good and one. just sort of Such like a have a clean one. environment. I do, what else is there? I do um, gratitude. So I write the three things that I'm grateful for. And then I write three affirmations. Just, you what know, are your affirmations? It's different every day. I mean, sometimes like with money, I've always had issues with money. So I do, you know, money flows to me freely. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's coming in so quickly. I can't even keep track of it. It comes from a, a variety of different revenue sources. Mm-hmm. Um, and then simple ones like I am humble, kind, inspiring, you know, um, lots of food. Like I'm, I have, I'm, an, I'm a normal eater. I don't mm. struggle with food. Yeah. Food is, I have total freedom around food. I choose foods that empower and fuel me. And then under that, I do, um, I write, this is the one that people are usually really interested in is I write a biography of myself from the future. So as if like a ma- say the ma- a magazine was interviewing, was writing or the back of my I'm book in five with years. Yeah. So Speak I write a biography. That. So it'll be like Danica Breisha is a best-selling author, media personality, serial entrepreneur, and 
Beyonce's best friend. And then, um, (laughs) and then it'll be like, she lives in, she lives in Southern California with blah, blah, blah. Her net worth is a hundred. For some reason I came up with 150 million by age 34 and it keeps replaying and replaying. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily like a money driven person. I'm actually very, I'm very simple. Like I don't, I don't, I'd much rather spend money on experiences and that stuff, but I would love to have that kind of money and invest in women's businesses. So I'm absolutely striving for that and to take that. Amazing. You know, those workshops that I'm talking about, this Madison Square Garden thing that I mentioned, my I would love to be able to offer a pro, uh, offer something like that at like like it, whether it's like a weekend workshop for like 25 bucks or something. And mm-hmm. I only would even put a price tag on it because I think people value things more when they've invested in it when they paid. So you know, true. so I'd really like to be able to offer those things. Um and make that sort of thing accessible. Make, you know, the environment that we live in in Los Angeles or, you know, in Southern California, whatever, and, or New York, it's very different. Like, the, like these, the conversations we have are very different. And I think, that, like, spiritually and, and a lot of the stuff that's, like, more, like, common here, this mindfulness, this consciousness is not necessarily the conversation that's being had everywhere. And I think mm. it's important. So, yeah. Anyway, so I do, I write this bio and then what I, if I have time, I'll write a journal entry from the future too. So they say the way to really be, get yourself where you want to get yourself is to really feel what it feels like, Mm, like what it actually feels like. So I'll write something, you know, I just woke up in my, like in this gorgeous home in Malibu, you know, with these sheets. (laughs) We're neighbors. Yeah. I look over and I was, yeah. I send Krista some lemons from my lemon tree. (laughs) Krista forgot to close the blinds again. Krista's nanny comes over (laughs) and cleans my house. (laughs) (laughs) But so I, yeah, so I write that biography and it's like, and I write how I feel and then I really feel and I do that part with my eyes closed. So, um, and I don't do this every day, which is the most important thing for me to tell you is Mm -hmm. I don't do this every day. Mm -hmm. Maybe I do it once a week lately but the point is that these sorts of things they're important and uh but they're not they should never be a way to shame ourselves for not being good enough Mm. sometimes I do that yeah like with just certain things where I'm like well everyone else is doing it every day and what if I can't do it today and that means I'm not as calm as I can be and totally then you like get into that tailspin where you've spent an hour worrying about the Mm -hmm. things that you didn't do Mm -hmm. totally and you know what's funny like in my like even two months ago you know we're obviously we're doing this podcast at 7 30 p.m i would have been like no i can't do it at 7 30 p.m my brain is the sharpest at 10 in the morning i can't mm. do it at night and i would have like mm. totally like because i would get obsessed with being and then i get stress myself out because i need you know and it's mm. so like now i'm so go with the flow and it's like if i can't think then we'll talk about something stupid like who cares totally. you know totally. so so taking I think, the pressure off yeah mm-hmm. you just yeah. It, like i and because i started being more kind to myself I started being kinder to, to others. And mm. because I let go of the rules of the food, I let go of the rules around everything else. Mm. And I stopped being so judgmental of other people. Mm-hmm. Like when you stop judging yourself, you stop projecting that judgment onto other people mm-hmm. too. 100%. And the judgment will keep you from where you want to go and it'll keep Absolutely. things in your life from coming to you. And it feels gross when you judge. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I was a part of a conversation like a week ago and I just like left it and I was like, for the past day, I was like, dude, I feel gross. Like, I don't like what was said. And it didn't come from, like, a mean place. Like, it wasn't anyone. And the person I was with wasn't intentional about um, the things that they were saying. But I just didn't like how I felt at all after. I was mm-hmm. like, there's no- nothing good will come into my life by being a part of conversations like mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good point. Hello? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Guys, Lindsay just did something funny. <laughs> 
How was that? Insane, right? I'll never forget that episode. That was like such a joy to record. That was like one of those feelings where I was like- I feel like I've known her forever. Yeah. I just was like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Mm -hmm. These are the people I'm meant to be talking to. So um, I know you guys loved that as much as we did. So the next one is another just like banger. Thais guy. Thais guy. You know, I I always wonder, I'm like, people like Thais. And like you said, like, this is kind of why we do it to like, bring these people who you don't know mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. they're going to be someone, but to bring them to, you know, um, all of our listeners um, and Thais, <sighs> four women. Like she's just yeah, like man. this advocate. She is a life coach, writer, teacher. She has she, a podcast called Reclaim. Yeah, she's spiritual. She is soft. She is strong. She is grounded. She has like some sass to her that is so... Um, it comes from a place of just like wanting to do good and wanting to spread good. And and our conversation with her in this particular one blew my mind because, mm-hmm. you know, we're bombarded by a lot of information, books, this, that, the other thing from, from life coaches and mm-hmm. coaches, 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 right? And she kind of flipped it on its head and it was really refreshing. Yeah, man. I was like, Whoa, like I was just honestly like, she brings to light a lot of different things. And in this, we kind of talk about the path that brought her to be as open and honest and vocal as she is today. And to kind of rethink um, the life coaching game and kind of think about how she can best serve women and people in general, rather than just people that can afford it. So a lot of times life coaches, you know, that's how they make more money is charging more and more and more. But then if you're doing that, you're kind of pigeonholing or you're putting into a box the person that you could work with because they can afford your services if you're charging X amount of money and you're not servicing people that cannot afford your services. So Mm -hmm. she kind of talked about that and we just kind of go into this really awesome conversation with her about it. So we know you're going to love it. All right. Enjoy guys. Like I didn't quit my job with making a million dollars or having yeah. seven figures or whatever yeah. the elusive level of success is. And yeah. so I was scared because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my bills next week. Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna, how long mm. I'm going to be able to make it. I was living off of savings and fumes and uh, it was absolutely terrifying. And I remember thinking again and again and again, if you leap, the net will appear. If you mm-hmm. leap, the net will appear. Well, the net never fucking appeared. Mm-hmm. Like I... I was like, I'm free falling and there's no net. Like, hello, where's the net? And everything that I had been teaching myself up to that point, manifestation, law of attraction, nothing was working. It wasn't working. And so when someone says the law says that it will work if you do these things and you are doing those things and it's not working, what do you do? You immediately think I'm broken. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with me. Yeah, I'm not doing it well enough. Mm. I'm not doing it enough. Yep. And that feeds right into... What I'm constantly seeing with women is society keeps telling us that we need to be a certain thing and we're never going to be that thing. And so not only do we have our own idealized image of who we should be, we have society's expectation of who we should be. And then in the spiritual world, this enlightened space, we still have our egos telling us how it should be. Mm -hmm. If you have the funnels, if you have the branding, if you have the things, boom, seven figures. If you have the podcast and do it all right and do it this, boom, Mm -hmm. advertisers are going to be knocking at your door. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't, if you have all of these things, easy peasy. Mm -hmm. And if you're not doing these things or if you're, not believing in yourself enough, then you're not going to get the results. Mm -hmm. All this mindset, it's all this 
uh, energy in our heads that if we just keep running and running and running, we'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. We just have to believe in ourselves and manifest and sit with the divine feminine energy and let it be, mm-hmm. but also secretly be panicking and freaking out if you're mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. doing enough. Anyway, so that culminated into a huge clash where you know things were moving, but it was not the promised land that I had hoped for. And it hit a, a really dark point. This was last December where I was like, this is not working anymore. Mm-hmm. And I have to try something new. So that has been my journey of the past five months is figuring out what that something new is. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about? Well, a couple of things. First, I really started to look at all of the beliefs that I really took for granted. Mm-hmm. The beliefs that I was indoctrinated in the spiritual entrepreneurial world. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Where did you hear those beliefs? Like, I mean, I had a coach, mm-hmm. okay. you know, a mindset manifesting mm-hmm. coach. Uh, who taught me a lot of these beliefs and fucking sucks. It's connected. It sounded great. This is the thing with it. It sounds really good. This idea that you can have and be all. And if you don't have and be all, it's because you're not working hard enough or believing in yourself enough. This is what they call the post feminine ideals. So right now we live in a, and some people believe that we live in a post feminine area or space Mm -hmm. just like there's some people that believe that we live in a post-racism space Mm -hmm. because we've we've elected obama so we can't have racism racism doesn't exist anymore right Mm -hmm. so we have that in this post-feminine ideal which is we're all equal now like Mm -hmm. let's be honest women have just as many opportunities Mm -hmm. as men so the only reason why women Mm -hmm. aren't as successful as men is because we're not working hard enough Mm -hmm. because if we just worked hard enough we could have it yeah look at ivanka's trump latest book that's the entire book it's basically saying this is how I got to success. And it was because I believed in myself and I worked really hard and I hired 10 nannies. And if I can do it, you can do it too. Oh my 100%. God. What drop. The, problem, <laughs> the problem with that, and, and I'm seeing this also in the entrepreneurial space, this idea that we can have it all, is that it takes us as silos, like you as an individual, as opposed to you in a collective. We've forgotten that we live in a collective. We've forgotten that we are not separate from the belief systems that got us here. Mm. And a lot of those belief systems are still very much embedded in us about how women are inferior, how we have to be constantly obsessing over the male gaze, like how men view us. Mm. We are fed advertisements that are told that we have to look a certain way, Mm -hmm. that we have to be whatever. So then what we do is we create a brand where we epitomize that we have it all. Mm-hmm. And how is that any different? Like, if we don't like that they sell Toyota cars with women in, like, strappy bikinis. We don't like that, right? Mm-hmm. That, that feels yucky to mm-hmm. women. Yeah. Like, why would we do that? Well, they're selling this sex appeal and women being objectified. How is that any different than us using our branding photos and our photos on our websites that only show how perfect our life is? Mm-hmm. It's selling the same thing. You can have it all. You can be it all. Look at me. I have it all. Mm-hmm. And so those are some of the beliefs that I started to really ask myself, is this really empowering women mm-hmm. or is this empowering Thais on the backs of women? Mm-hmm. Is this really, really supporting the collective empowerment of women mm-hmm. or only empowering the few white privileged women mm-hmm. that can afford my 50000 a year coaching yeah Mm. Yeah, so that was that's where you came to a halt in December where you were like no this is not feeling good to me exactly okay so I've been I've been set I've been sold all these things and I have been kind of spewing all these things and empowering the empowered yeah it's kind of like what yeah or like empowered by 
being white, being mm-hmm. privileged, whatever. Because I was, I had my blinders on, and and this is why I don't blame anyone that still has their blinders on. Because it's not like I was blinding purposefully. It's not like I was purposefully trying to be privileged or per, mm-hmm. or, or not purposely trying to be privileged. What am I trying to say? Purposely trying to be exclusive. Mm-hmm. You know, purposely trying to sell, having it all to abuse other women. Yeah. None of this is you know, purposefully being done. And one of the things that I've realized is that we have to be looking at intention. Yeah. Intention's important, but impact is more important. Impact over mm. intention always. Always. Yeah. Because of course we never intended to to, you know, abuse black people, yet we do it all the time mm-hmm. in all of these ubiquitous ways. Yeah. So we have to be looking at impact and intention. Intention is one, but it doesn't overdo the impact here's a stupid example if i hurt your feelings Mm -hmm. okay and i you know said something very rude to you yeah and you come to me and you're brave enough to say this to me most people aren't right you're brave enough to say that really hurt my feelings yeah and i can say well that wasn't my intent does that feel like does that land with you like does that feel like oh then you're off the hook oh Mm. god that wasn't your intention we can we can be best friends now yeah that's not how it works right yeah you what i'd rather well, they don't own it in that in that moment. Yeah. So the 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 one. more spiritually kind of evolved answer is fuck. Mm. I I hear that 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 wasn't my intent. Yes. And I really did hurt your feelings, and I'm yep. so sorry. Yeah. And I'm gonna see or do or think or sit mm-hmm. with that, and that that's that's grounded energy. Mm-hmm. That's saying I hear you, mm-hmm. I see you, and I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we have to start thinking about and doing on a bigger scale. Is my marketing perpetuating women's uh, or it, it perpetuating mm-hmm. violence against women? And if you find that, you know, in some way it is, shit, I am so sorry. Mm. Wow, I didn't know I was doing this. But now I'm really going to look at the impact mm. of what I'm doing instead of just focusing on my intent and how perfect I am. Because that doesn't mm. get us off the hook. It just perpetuates our negativity, or not negativity, our ignorance. Mm. So, because so, it does, I guess, as a life coach and motivational speaker and everything like that, like, I guess your a lot of the marketing that you guys do, it seems like, is to perpetuate the idea that you have a perfect life. Exactly. Because that's why people would want to go to you, quote unquote. Exactly. Because you have the perfect life. And I have the wanna, answers. Yeah. I have all the answers. So, yes, that's exactly right. That is how it started. Yeah. It started with why would you go to a life coach? Because a life coach has the answers that you crave. You're feeling it's all like sorts a trainer. of things. It's like, why would you go to a trainer if the trainer isn't super in shape? You right. Know, what do they know? It's kind exactly. of that same thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it continues this idea that in order for you to be an expert in something, you have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. But no one is perfect, one. And two, we live in an entrepreneurial space where everyone's so excited about being an entrepreneur that we have a lot of experts who are not experts. 100%. So we have a lot of people who call themselves experts, but they have no expertise. Mm-hmm. You know, they've done one life coaching course, and now they think that they're an expert in holding space for someone's brokenness. And mm-hmm. so we see a lot, a lot of these n- women craving quick money craving the ants you know the wanting their brand to look a certain way they invest thousands of dollars and then they just push that down the line and it's hurting women i guess that's the whole point i'm Mm -hmm. trying to get to here it's hurting women and how can i feel good about that as a as a coach how can i feel good that my prices are so alienating to 90 percent of the population so the people who need it most can't get access to me because i was taught that you have to charge a ridiculous rate in order for you to offer ridiculous transformation. Damn. Skin in the game. 
you have to be charging a really high rate in order for people to invest and feel yeah. take you seriously. Take you seriously, hundred percent. And and I'm that not sure so that that's true. true either. So that's what I've been doing. I've been really unearthing all of these beliefs that I've been taught. Uh, some of them, all of them, came with great intentions. But now I'm like, does that really land for me and who I want to be in this world? And as someone who activates worthiness within within women and who wants to empower women and who wants to see more women rise up into leadership, so that we can, you know, start really seeing equality. How am I contributing to women staying small? And me positioning myself as above and better actually is then creating a pyramid where I have to have followers in order for me to be the leader. But then how is that really empowering? Right. I want to be more like the woman and the back of the line pushing people forward and inspiring yes. and encouraging than being at the front of the line being like, look how easy I can have 10 children and a career so and I true. look beautiful and just follow me and all of your yes. dreams will and come I true. And I grow my own vegetables. Yes. And I don't have wrinkles. Yeah. <laughs> amazing mm-hmm. i grow my own vegetables <laughs> drink from my hot spring in my backyard yeah. <laughs> um that's so yo this true. is like it's so has me speechless yeah. to be honest how about that y'all thais thais i want my name to be thais sky <laughs> how cool would i be you're like, yeah. I'm hanging with my girl Thais. I got to start thinking of my, of my baby names, you know? I'll, I'll do Thais guy. Because I think like by the time I have babies, actually people are probably going to have them already. You know, Literally. It's going to be like, it's like cyclical. It's going to be like Harriet. Mm. Oh my God, you're right. You know, because right now Skye. they're naming them like Henry and like... George. Yeah, George. Literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So on to the next. On to the next. With a lady, be it. Be Simkin. it. Simkin, yeah. A little banged baby she's so cute she's a little pumpkin we spoke to Biet um in the interview over the phone but mm-hmm. we got the chance to meet her and do an event with her this past year so we were so honored um she is truly one of a kind mm-hmm. and led a a life-changing uh seminar i wouldn't even call it a summer sorry that's too like yeah. sterile Aww. to even say it was a um session session I don't even it know. Was it was like, beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was called Who Are You? Um, but anyway, in this part of our conversation, we still get messages mm-hmm. and emails about it. People just draw trap. Not quite sure what to think. It is so Crazy. incredible. It's near this death. story, this near-death experience Biet had. Mm-hmm. She's a Biet, Biet is a spiritual teacher. She's a meditation artist. She's been in Vogue. She's been in L. She's been in Mary Clarie. Claire. Oh man, I love am when I you like, say it like am that. I get, I'm so ghetto. <laughs> Marie Clarie. Marie Clarie. No, you're French. And then Chloe. Marie Claire, baby. <laughs> Marie Claire. Um, she's been in all the magazines. She's mm. amazing. So we are talking about her near death experience and a situation that kind of changed her life forever. So uh-huh. we're so excited for you to listen. There was a time when we had religion on this planet, mm. you know, and we don't re- not that we don't have religion now, but I think that definitely our generation and a few generations of of people on earth have felt very jaded by what religion has become in the sense that we've just seen the history of how it turns into wars and people killing each other and they creating all these like really strange rules like don't have sex before you're married and you know like don't yeah. marry interracially like all these and rules everyone's going that to make hell. absolutely no sense you know mm-hmm. yeah. 
And so I feel like meditation is this beautiful practice that um, speaks to the real meaning behind what religion's intention was, which is that we are a trinity as human beings. We are not a duality. We are not just our mind and our body. There is something else going on. There absolutely positively is something else happening. Um, and you know that once in a while serendipity occurs and, you know, you get, your life gets saved. I've had several near death experiences, like not like white light where I've come back from the dead or anything, but like literally like I, you know, knew that I was going to die and Mm. somehow like managed not to, you know? Can you talk about Um, one of them? Yeah, I can't. I mean, it's an amazing story. I like when I was 24, I started having these weird hallucinations, which I'm just to be clear, I don't hallucinate. Uh-huh. ever so it wasn't like I was like just the kind of person who hallucinates and here I was hallucinating. like it was really strange I just kept coming home and feeling this feeling that I was like in danger huh. and there was like a strange like I don't know if it was like a shadowy figure in my room but mm. I was just seeing things and the notion in my mind was you're gonna die and I was like oh my god I'm gonna die like I don't know it just felt like yeah. scary so one day after about six days of this, now again, like I was not high, I wasn't drunk, I was just like, something was happening. And so I sat up in my bed one night, and there was no, I had no symptoms of any kind. And I sat up in my bed, and I finally thought, well, why don't I just talk to this, whatever this is, whatever this is. And I said, what's happening? Oh my God. And a, yeah, and a voice came to me, I, you know, I just have this voice that communicates with me, and I, I see it as my intuition, or my body, or my astral body whatever. And it said to me, you're dying. And I said, oh shit, like, is there anything that I can do? And <laughs> yeah. the voice said, um, yes. And I was like, okay, I'll do anything. Like, yeah. You're like, do? I don't sounds die. good. <laughs> <laughs> and the voice said, you need to stop eating. And I was like, okay, stop eating what? what? And the voice said everything. And I was like, okay and and I was like for how long and the voice was like just stop eating for now and like we'll deal like you'll see you'll see you know and and that was that that was the message so I stopped eating because I mean it was such a weird phenomenon again I'd never experienced anything like it but I trusted that maybe there was something going on and so I stopped eating and of course like eating is very important so I started having like protein deficiency I started having like real hallucinations and I was like really freaking out and thinking I was like talking to God and stuff. And just to be clear on this podcast, like I was not communicating with God. I was just like protein deficient, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like maybe I communicated with God when I heard the voice, like that seemed more God-like to me than what happened after that because I was really losing my mind. And then after three weeks of like basically not eating and like, you know, kind of like chomping on a cucumber if I thought I was going to faint. I um, looked down at my stomach and I'd lost like 10, 15 pounds or something. And I looked at my stomach and there was this huge, like, what would you call it? Bowling ball sized lump on my stomach. And I was like, what is this? (laughs) But I hadn't seen it before because I was a little bit heavier. You know, I was like more J-Lo, you know, and I went from J-Lo to like Kate Moss and I was like, oh, what is this? You know? And... So I went to my dad, who had been a medical doctor before he became an awakened shaman, and I said to him, hey, Papa, like, what is this? And he goes, oh, well, either you are three months pregnant or, like, six months pregnant. He's like, or you have a very big tumor. <gasps> and and uh, so he, like, again, we because we were, like, very poor and my dad was, like, this awakened like guru type just so to do a super unmanageable yeah. he had like saved some famous OBGYN's life 
10 years prior. So he was like, I'll just call him. So he called him and that OBGYN like snuck me into the VIP ward of this like Long Island, like this fancy Long Island hospital and then proceeded to like do an emergency for our procedure where he carved this seven pound tumor out of my uterus. Oh my God. It was in your uterus? It was in my uterus. Yeah. And he said to me like before I went under, he was like, you probably like the chances of you ever having children are like 1%. He's like, I'm going to do my best, but you, you like that you just, your uterus completely taken over by the tumor. And then he spent four hours carving it out. And when I awoke, he was like, you're fine. And now you can have kids. How crazy was that? I mean, crazy, crazy and cool. Who talks to death? And who doesn't, who listens to death? <laughs> so true. Like who, who if stops, someone told me not eating? to eat, Same. I'd be like, you're shitting me. I'd be like, I choose you, death. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I'd be like, let's go together. I'm going to continue to eat. Oh God. Crazy. So glad you love that one. This one is another banger. Yeah. Banger Actually, twice. one of our most popular episodes, mm-hmm. the subject matter is one that is hot, hot, relevant. People important. are- Yeah, really important. Changed my life. Yeah. Changing yours now. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. Going life off changer. that BC. Candace Birch is on. Candace Birch is on. Candace Birch of Your Hormone Health. So she is the mother of my two good friends, Jess and Ryan. And she is a hormone health expert. She's been in the game for years and years and years and years and years. And um, she came into my life to help me heal my hormones naturally. And I was able to figure out what was going on with my body, what was going on with my hormones. And she is such an expert. And this information, all women need to be aware of and need to be considering their hormones when they're thinking about their overall health and their overall relationship mentally, physically, emotionally. It is so important. So we are so excited to have this amazing clip with Candace again. Um, and then make sure to also go listen to that full episode um, if you want more. All right, here we go. Before this, I was trying to self-diagnose myself. So I was like, I'm tired. I'm not sleeping. I am exhausted. I can't drink caffeine. Um, I'm all of these things. So I was like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And I started to buy supplements around that. So I bought like DHEA or like other things that I thought would help. And really it was not doing me any justice and it was actually hurting me to self-diagnose. I'm guessing. And it was, that was a, and I learned something there that that was a bad move. So Candace and I get on the phone and what was going on with my hormones, they were out of whack was that my cortisol level was healthy and very high in the morning. Um, and I know that for myself, like the second I wake up, I'm like very chipper. That's my time. Um, and then it would plummet and it would actually flatline during the day. So I would have no cortisol levels um, day and then till evening. And then at night it was picking up. So that was what was keeping me stressed, keeping me awake, keeping me from getting deep sleep because my cortisol levels were so high. And then my DHEA was super, super high because I had been taking a synthetic one that I self-medicated. Can you just tell me what, for people who don't know, what is cortisol? What is DHEA? Oh yeah, she'll say. Okay. Um, And then um, my estrogen levels were super high. So my estrogen levels were way higher than my progesterone levels. Um, So that was also throwing me off. And then we talked about a bunch of different things. But yeah, to Lindsay's point, Candice, if you could talk about what the all the hormones are, what they do, and then kind of like if you could explain a little bit about um, my diagnosis and like what was going on when you saw my reading. 
Right. Um, well, you know, your first clue when you start getting belly fat when you're 27 or 28 years old and you're usually you're used to that flat belly issue, you know that you've got a cortisol adrenal stress issue going on because stress hormones will um, create a uh, I, I could get into the chemistry, but there are receptor sites for cortisol in the abdominal tissue. And so when we have too much stress, which jacks up blood sugar levels and jacks up insulin levels, insulin is a fat storage hormone. If it cannot, if we're inundated with unstable blood sugars, they will get stored in the belly as fat. So stress and belly fat are very much tied together. And that's why we measure cortisol levels over the course of one day. We measure morning uh, as we were saying, noon, evening, bedtime, because we want to see, do your cortisol levels, which are a reflection of your stress levels and are um, produced by the adrenal glands, which are our sort of get up and go organ that gets us, keeps us going and fights disease and does stabilizes our blood sugar and does all kinds of things. When we measure that level over the day, we want it to be highest in the morning as yours was, Krista, but we don't want it plummeting in the middle of the day and then jacking back up at night so that you can't really sleep or get deep sleep or you find you're waking up in the night, et cetera. We want a cortisol to be highest in the morning to get you up and going for the day and then steadily drop throughout the day to the lowest level at night for calming, relaxation, and ultimately deep sleep. When cortisol levels go back and forth throughout the day, um, that's when blood sugar levels become destabilized. We want, you know, we're reaching for caffeine to keep awake and sugar and, you know, quick fixes. And if you're into that space, then you know you probably, and you're gaining some belly fat, you know that you're probably off. And the issue with cortisol also is that when stress hormones take precedence, they start knocking out ovulation ovulation, that period that you get every month, doesn't necessarily mean that you ovulate. We're supposed to ovulate uh, mid-cycle, right? First part of the cycle is estrogen, which is growing that egg in the ovary, growing that egg that's going to go off in search of the friendly sperm at some point. It's growing the lining, the inner, the uterine lining, making it blood rich and, and ready for a possible pregnancy. When we ovulate, progesterone then takes over from estrogen. So progesterone is the hormone that says, okay, we've had enough estrogen going. You've grown the egg. You've thickened the lining of the uterus. We don't need any more of that. We're now going to calm things down. And if there is no pregnancy, progesterone drops and we have our, our period. But many people do not ovulate midway through their period. Or if they ovulate, they don't make enough progesterone to calm down the action of estrogen. So that can mean, and many things can disrupt ovulation. A lack of sleep, to when stress takes center stage in your life and you're always going, 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 and you're, you know, you're burning the candle at both ends and you're never taking a break. And I think our modern day lifestyle has made it pretty tough to ever turn off. Um, there's so many things that extreme exercising can actually um, disrupt ovulation. Vegetarianism without getting enough protein can disrupt ovulation. All these things that happen even well before menopause. 
So because once we're in menopause, obviously we don't ovulate and that's why these hormones definitely go out of sync. But in younger women, all of those things can disrupt ovulation. Progesterone production is not adequate enough to balance estrogen. And then we start finding that estrogen is becoming dominant. And that was the situation with mm-hmm. Kristen. She had a low, you had a low ratio of progesterone to estrogen. So you were still making enough of those hormones individually, but the ratio, relatively speaking, was that estrogen was dominant. So that is linked to the kinds of things where you have mood swings or you have weight gain, uh, big time weight gain around, I'm not saying you do, but Mm -hmm. I'm saying that it is a huge connection when you have a low uh, progesterone estradiol estrogen ratio, which we can test in our in our test, we look at that because that's going to tell us um, why you're gaining weight around your hips, why you're gaining, why you've got mood swings, why you are putting on weight pre right before your period. Women that have bloating and gain seven to ten pounds right before they they have their period, horrible PMS. This is where. Dr. John Lee did his biggest research in England with a woman named Christina Dalton, who was looking at the 150 symptoms that are associated with PMS. Really, you know, like pass me the shotgun type PMS. (laughs) That kind of PMS where you are, you know, so here you are gaining weight, you're bloating, Mm -hmm. you can't sleep. Your periods are just heavy, heavy, heavy because there hasn't been enough progesterone around to stop that estrogen buildup in the uterine lining. So you start getting these heavy, painful periods. You might even have fibroids or endometriosis. Some gals have horrible endometriosis where the lining of the uterus is so blood rich. There's no progesterone control that it starts migrating out of the uterine lining into Mm -hmm. the pelvis. Very painful. These things are all to do with an imbalance of estrogen progesterone. And then when you got that combined with stress hormones that are out of whack, now you got fat, you know, uh, belly fat picking up and you're irritable and you're anxious and your immunities are down. You find that you're catching every cold and flu bug that comes along. And you're, instead of bouncing back and being well in a couple days or a day, you're sick for a week or you have horrible allergies. Mm-hmm. I had that too hives, itching, you know, all kinds of allergies and allergic symptoms, asthma, they're all linked to an upset of adrenal hormones. Um, So it's kind of, you know, it's a big deal to be, especially when you're younger, because it's not about menopause and the end of ovulation, it's about disrupted ovulation. What is going on that's actually disrupting the normal cycle so that hormones aren't being produced in normal amounts? And what you know, what stress levels in your life. And I'm not talking about good, you know, there's good stress, there's bad stress, good stress. We get birthdays and Christmas and weddings and fun times and all that. But but when this becomes distress where, you know, our lives are so jacked up that we're not sleeping, we're not getting breaks, we're not really doing, taking time to do the things we love to do. I mean, I've Ryan, why don't you talk about some of the women you you talked to at the weight loss? We we were Ryan worked at a weight loss, um, a nationwide weight loss chain. I worked for them as their hormone health educator, and uh, we did everybody's tests that wanted to lose weight. And what did you find, Ryan? I mean, there was such a range of of <clears throat> women and of different ages, and for all of them, they had a weight problem. 
Um, you see a lot of the cortisol hormone spiking at the wrong times and um, just being so irritable and sugar cravings. And, sugar cravings is big. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just not feeling themselves. And, you know, <clears throat> the biggest thing when you're trying to lose weight and be successful in a weight loss program you know, if you don't know what's going on with your hormones, that's a whole nother piece to the puzzle that you, you know, yep. without looking at that first, that's something that can be working against you despite your best efforts being yep. on a program and exercising and still not seeing results. Mm. And so yeah. we would really encourage them to do that test up front so that we could get a clear picture of what was going on internally and then, you know, help with that and then continue on with the the diet and the consulting and all the um, lifestyle changes they needed to make um, to really get in balance. I think some of what happen, happens with people that get a test result is it's a huge relief. It's like, oh, my God. So yeah. is this the reason why I have sugar cravings? I mean, honestly, if your hormones are out, out of balance, you can be hardwired to overeat. You are hardwired to crave sugar. Because your body in a survival response is saying, hey, this chick is under stress. We don't know why, but, you know, we want her to eat more. And we want her to hold on to fat because this is, you know, we, we don't know if a tsunami is coming or, or what. The body cannot distinguish between emotional, physical, mental stress. And all those stressors have an effect on you. Eating too much sugar is a stressor just as much as not getting enough sleep or breaking your leg or getting a divorce. I mean, these kinds of things still, the biological, physiological response of the body is the same. It will pack, it will store fat. It will store fat in the abdomen in particular. That's our fat depot in, in you know, just to keep, make sure that the body is, has reserves. Has, it, it, you will actually be hardwired to overeat. I wanted to mention DHEA as mm -hmm. well. Krista, your DHEA was high. DHEA is actually a an adrenal hormone. It's it is you may have heard it associated with the fountain of youth. So for people that are getting on in years, they might want to take DHEA because DHEA is actually a precursor or what you could think of as the raw material for almost all the other hormones in the body. It it there's a cascade and hormones break down. They actually derive from cholesterol. So that's another reason not to banish all cholesterol from your diet because cholesterol is the backbone of all hormone production in the body and one of the first hormones to be produced is DHEA so it's not a bad thing to have high levels of DHEA because especially when you're young because you'll see high DHEA associated with people that are very active physically and it sounds like you work out a lot uh, Krista. Mm -hmm. So that may well be, and you were taking some DHEA, mm -hmm. it, but just working out and building muscle like strength training is one of the very best ways to um, have a natural high of DHEA and to have it enough of it on board so that all the cortisol hormones and the stress, the stress hormones can be produced in balanced amounts. So we, we need DHEA, we need all of these hormones to be in sync with each other. And first of all, they're not going to be in perfect balance. Nobody is in perfect balance. But, you know, you got to think of like synchronized swimmers. If one of them swam off to the other side of the pool and one dove down to the bottom, what would happen to that perfect pedal formation? Or you think about an orchestra. If one instrument is playing out of tune, then the whole symphony is off. So the goal is to try to get 
you know, get it, get a fix. I become aware of the symptoms of hormone imbalance, all of these things that we're talking about and that you mentioned, Krista, not being able to sleep, even having horrible nightmares. That's high cortisol mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. Having an, you know, why am I gaining weight in my midsection of all places? Why there? Why am I irritable with the people I love the most in life? That's what my thing was. I'm thinking, I'm yelling and screaming at my my mm. little perfect daughters. My little and peanut heads. My, <laughs> little, my little pumpkins. Oh. Why? And, and I'm hurting there. I'm hurting that. You know, God knows how that damaged them in some way that, that you know, hopefully not forever. <laughs> Very good. But, they deserved it. <laughs> yeah, they, they probably did. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's an issue for women your age, too, because I can't tell you how many gals I've worked with that are of your age group, and they'll tell me about how, what, how their mothers are driving them crazy. Literally, I didn't think about that till you guys were talking about my mom when during during her menopausal period. That was like, man, that was the wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. Two people yeah. on one side, me, one on me on one side, her on the other. It's a shootout. <laughs> yeah. What are yeah. the What are the ages for menopause, mom? Well, you know, the average age is fifty-one, but where meaning menopause officially is the the definition is when you have gone twelve months sequentially without a period. Mm. But you will see, you know, with a lot of gals in your age group that are listening today, many, many gals, you mentioned, Krista, not having your period for a long time. Um, That, you know, that can be due to stress hormones disrupting that cycle. Um, And that means lack of hormone being being produced can produce some of the same symptoms as a woman in menopause. So we see officially we should be seeing this happen you know, where the ovaries kind of pack up and they're not producing hormone anymore at around age 51. But in my work as a hormone health educator at one of the big labs in the country, I'm, uh, we saw, I've, I've probably seen thousands of test results. I don't think I'm exaggerating. And we see that in younger and younger women, we see these symptoms and we see these these out of balance hormone levels when this should be an issue that doesn't even begin really till mid 40s when we get into perimenopause. I mean, that's something you, you, this is inevitable. Your hormones are going to shift. They are going to decline. And when most women that are in their 40s are starting to see that shift where those are the roller coaster years. And that was exactly what was happening with me. I was in my 40s and I'm having these hot flashes and mood swings. So one minute I'm nice and the next minute I'm the wicked witch of the West and my children are afraid of me. This is, or you may find this when you, even in your 30s, we see women in their late 30s who have children who can't, you know, got full-time jobs. They're trying to work out and do everything and they are, you know, an emotional, hormonal um, mess. So uh, it's, it's a big issue for, for every age. Such a good one. Love me hormones. some Candace search. Go get your hormones tested if you're curious get if your that piqued your interest. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have Candace on again in the mm-hmm. new year. So if you're in the secret Facebook group, write in any questions that you have. We'll see if we can get those on air too. Mm-hmm. All right, next, Kari Calhoun. Kari, baby. My I crush, mean, girl crush. Probably till the end of time. Girl crush. I'm like weird around her. I like her so much. 
Well, she's also not only is she the funniest person, beautiful. She's funny. She's so smart, and she's funny. real and real and cool and weird. Weird. <laughs> like I like you in the best way. Yeah. yeah. I'm like she says shit. I'm like yo. I didn't expect. I love people. People say stuff I don't expect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When you're like looking at someone, they do say something like that. It kind of like brings you back into presence. Mm-hmm. It's so different. You're like whoa. I'm like here on this earth, and you said something I didn't expect. So it makes me be present. Yeah. She's like that. She is that. She's, She's the best. Supermodel. She works with every, every brand, brand under the sun. Adidas. She's been in commercials. She's working every single day. Yeah, every Which single is day. She's a supermodel. Rare. She was on America's Next Top Model. She is insanely stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in this part of the conversation, we talked about a few things. So we talk about America's Next Top Model, her experience with that, which was so interesting. You know, what we see on TV is not what is going on, Um, the behind the scenes. If you remember Kari on America's Next Top Model, she had that really extreme um, makeover they did on her, which was like- Interesting. Yeah, and it really tested her, I think. You know, it completely changed the course of like her time on that show, Mm -hmm. which at the end of it, you know, she she realized it, You know, it wasn't truly for her, but it was a great experience. But um, what she learned from that and how she realized that she has a greater purpose than, you know, just modeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we also talk about um, body shaming because um, she's experienced body shaming. You know, a lot of casting directors have called her weird looking alien, Mm -hmm. you know, too skinny, this, that, the other thing. Yeah, it was just interesting to talk to her about her insecurities in that way and like- Because we look at a supermodel that's so skinny, we're like, what would they ever be ashamed about? But like, it can go the reverse where people can feel uncomfortable being Mm -hmm. too thin. You know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. work just one way. So that was eye-opening and really interesting and really um, refreshing to hear her be so open and honest about that. Yeah. All right, guys, let's dive in. Enjoy. People like still- uh, refer to me as like weird looking and I'm I'm very oh, much like wait, into yeah. that. Yeah, I love Just that. Just different people and Tyra's comments. I'm an alien. I am weird. Damn. Like that kind of thing. But I, I, I honestly got made fun of for being like too skinny. Mm. As I said, too skinny. Yeah. When I was in um, like middle school and high school, I was just yeah. like, I can't gain weight with my life. I've tried like super hard mm. to gain weight. And the mm. only way that I do is if I build muscle, mm. you know, and that can only go so far. And like in the... Like in middle school, like sixth grade, seventh grade, I wasn't doing anything to try and be skinny. You know, I was just being whatever, a middle schooler. And like people would really like pick at me for being, I was tiny, I was. But but again, like it wasn't intentional. And I, yeah, got made fun of a lot for that. And I think that became an insecurity for me because all the women in, in my family are like full figured, you know, like black huh. women, like really? beautiful, yeah. you know, and I'm never that. I'm the like skinny one that can't fill out a dress. And yeah. so I think that that for me growing up, being skinny has always been like a battle for me. I'm, right now I'm like, I'm pretty tiny um, compared to like when I was in track. Mm. So I've been working on just kind of accepting like, this is like how I am and that's mm. okay, you know, and yeah. really like believing that. But yeah, I, I also feel like a lot of a lot of girls often get made of for the opposite, you know, like being too heavy. Yeah. But like 
no one really thinks about like the girls that are getting made fun made fun of because they're like tiny because yeah. they're not trying to do that either. You know, 100%. a lot of uh, like there are like some, you know, eating disorders and whatnot. But for me, um, yeah, I just like can't gain weight. It's just not my body type. And like, I feel like I shouldn't have to endure like people's comments and opinions about that. Mm-hmm. And totally. yeah, it's like a weird, it's a weird, weird thing that I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's almost like your, it's like your opinion doesn't count. It's like, yeah, whatever, you're skinny. Like, yeah, whatever. exactly. It's it's constantly yeah, like, it's like look, okay, you wouldn't know. Looked, yeah, and, and everyone's like, oh, I'd love to have that problem. You know, yeah. it's like, no. You don't know. Yeah, you don't know because like you're not experiencing it. And like, I think that... I, especially now, like, since, like, the Kim K body type is, like, super in, mm-hmm. you know? Like, a, a lot of girls don't feel like they're beautiful if you don't have, like, a fat ass and tits. 100%. And it's, like, and, and it's just, like, it's really, like, like, it's really sickening. And I, I don't know. Not saying that, that having that body type is, that body type is fucking bomb, you know? If that's mm-hmm. how I think, you know, you are naturally, like, that's fucking awesome. But don't hurt yourself trying to get there because mm-hmm. that's not you, yeah. you know? And that's not, like, who you were designed to be. Like, I don't know. I know. I would, like, some people, there's, like, an argument that was, like, Kim K's made it easier for, like, curvy women. I feel like it's been harder. Like, that yeah. body is, like... Well, it's just, it's so... To an extent now, it's just not natural. It's 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 done really well, but it's not natural and it's yeah. really hard mm-hmm. to attain. It's really yeah. hard to attain mm-hmm. that tiny, tiny waist mm-hmm. and that big butt. Yeah. And those big boobs and the skinny arms mm-hmm. and like to mm-hmm. have that all that proportion, proportion yeah. Yeah. is actually near impossible unless you're getting all mm-hmm. the work, which yeah. is fine if you can afford it and want to do that, fine. But mm-hmm. but like you said, these girls are, you know using all of their money and their savings to get mm-hmm. this body mm-hmm. in a way that it sounds healthiest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And totally. and too like all these girls in in uh, high school that aren't, you know, maybe fully developed yet and like they don't think that they are like looking as attractive as they can, you know? Yeah. And it's like it's already just really messing with their mental and like their future. And I don't know. It, it's this weird skinny girl thing. <laughs> like, Hell yeah. <laughs> that totally. I think it's overlooked a lot, honestly. I completely agree. I, I think that it does get overlooked. It's not, there's not that many, but, you know, we're, we're out there. Kari, Kari, Kari. Kari, Kari, Kari. My girl. Beauty. Shout out, Kari. So we had on the founders of Sakara Life. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a plant-based, sexy, delicious, so nourishing good. meal delivery service that we love. If you haven't tried it, try it. Check it out. The watermelon jerky, everybody. Too much. So good. <laughs> it does not live around Krista and I. Nope. We and finish it in seconds. 3.7 seconds. I've ordered three packs. and need three packs in like a minute. Yeah. It's one of those where you can't let it mm-hmm. be on earth. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> anymore. I'll eat it. I'm like, oh, cool. That was good. I'll never eat that again because <laughs> I just like it too much. <laughs> um, but Whitney Tingle, Danielle Dubois. So we had them on the podcast and um, they were just so present and so thoughtful and so so deep and so mindful of everyone around them. And I just was so impressed by them. So they talked about um, building a brand and business that is impactful for everyone around them and not just 
yourself. So Mm -hmm. how do you build a conscious brand? And I was just, her, their answer really stuck with me. And they loved talking about it, which is Mm -hmm. like refreshing to hear. I think, you know, as founders of a company, a lot of times they're jaded by the story that they have to tell, Mm -hmm. but they were so excited to share, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can hear it in their voice. And both of them kind of turned the messes they were in. You know, one of them was dealing with severe cystic acne and stress and digestive issues just caused by where she was in her life and the food that she was eating and she wasn't taking care of herself. Both had similar stories and helped Mm -hmm. each other and built this business. So making their mess their mission and um, now this empire that um, is really making a difference in the world. So here is a part of that conversation. You can connect with them on Instagram too at... Sakara life. Um, but let us know. Here you go. Danielle and I grew up together in Sedona, Arizona. Uh, we've been friends since we were, I think, 12 years old. So we've known each other for longer than we haven't known each other, I guess you could say. <laughs> and, you know, we really we grew up with a very interesting upbringing very spiritual, a little bit hippie. Um, a little bit. Okay. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I guess, I guess when you're growing up that way and everybody is a little bit that way, yeah, you don't context. realize, yeah, you don't realize 100%. that you're living in extreme, um, and how special it really is until you get out of that. And that's, that's really what happened to us. You know, we each moved to New York city for different reasons. Um, Danielle was moving out to school and I'll let her tell you about that. But I moved out to work on Wall Street, so very different from little hippie Sedona town to big New York City. Um, I remember that first day showing up in in New York, and it was just overwhelming. It was so big, and the skyscrapers, and just everything is moving so fast. Mm. Um, Crazy, busy lifestyle. And so I just kind of fell straight into that, that quick-paced, go, go, go type of lifestyle. Um, I was working 80-hour work weeks, going out to eat for just about every meal. I had 15 minutes for lunch to find something. What was I going to eat? And then after work, going out networking, drinking, going out even after that late night, um, and late night pizza. And all of these things just started to add up. And I think it was in the first like month or six weeks of moving here, I had gained 15 pounds and had cystic acne all over my face. Um, and I felt like crap, really. You know, that lifestyle had just very quickly taken a toll on my body. And I had battled with acne, I guess, since high school, since just about as long as we've known each other, really. Mm-hmm. And um, I had tried everything out there. Um, I did all sorts of creams and lights and lasers. You know, I ordered everything off the infomercials. I ordered everything I read about in magazines. I went to so many different dermatologists. They gave me pills and did light treatments, lasers that left scabs on my face, CO2 lasers. And none of it worked. And I just kept going around looking, you know, from one solution to the next solution and finding myself just in the same place with no answer. Um, even Accutane didn't work. And um, so just finally, you know, at the last time that I was talking to a dermatologist, um, I was sitting there and I had this voice inside of me that said, 
you know, you need to go inside and find the root cause. What is actually creating all of these symptoms that you're experiencing? Go in and treat that and all of this will go away. And so that put me on my search, on my journey to figure out what that was. Yeah, and it was perfect timing because I was also on a search and a journey. And at the time, we were roommates in downtown New York City. And I moved to New York to study medicine. I was studying pre-med. And I had been battling with pretty severe body image issues since I was a young girl, which led me to yo-yo dieting which led to one diet just becoming more extreme than the one before that one. Until finally, um, I did a 21-day retreat in Southern Arizona. And the first seven days were a water fast. And I got really, really, really sick from it. Mm. Um, I realized I had just hopped from one diet to the next, searching for this body that I thought I didn't have. And food had become the enemy for me. And I was so excited to go to this 21-day retreat where I didn't have to eat. Um, and you know, my body just rebelled and I ended up in the hospital and that was my, you know, my big aha moment where I thought, how did I, how did I let it come to this where food is the enemy and I'm not thinking about nutrients or nourishment. I'm just counting calories and carbs and pounds and points. And, you know, here I am. And so I was just about to go to med school and that's when I decided to change tracks and study nutrition instead and realize I had so much healing to do for myself around food. Um, so when Ian and I came together, this is about mm-hmm. the exact same time. And we said, we know from our upbringing that you know, food is medicine. And how do we get back to that? Because it was really hard to do it for ourselves, you know, working in the city, um, you know, who has time to like cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner and think about, you know, are you getting all the nutrients that you need? Mm -hmm. So we took, um, we started by saying, you know, what is the, what is the best way to eat? What is the healthiest way to eat? So we pulled all the science I was learning about in school, you know, the study of epigenetics and nutrigenomics, you know, how your food, your nutrition and your environment affect which genes are turned on and off. Um, so they say, you know, your genes are the loaded gun, but your environment and your nutrition are what pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, pulling that kind of science and then also more the more spiritual aspects of food. So, you know, what have people been talking about for thousands of years? You know, the study of Ayurvedic um, practices and macrobiotics. And from all that research and talking to experts, we came up with what we now call our nine pillars of nutrition. And we came up with a meal system for each other based on those pillars. And, you know, it wasn't a business at the time. It was just, we were just <laughs> trying to fix ourselves. So we, you know, we made recipes based on the pillars and ate that way for a couple weeks. And the results... We used ourselves as guinea pigs, really. Yeah, spent our entire lives like in the grocery store, or in the kitchen. And, um, you know, within two weeks, the, the results were just so transformative that we knew we couldn't keep it to ourselves. Yeah, we we're really on to something. I mean... For me, it was the only thing after almost a decade of trying to find a solution for my acne that my skin finally started clearing up. And what I realized through this process was I didn't really have a skin problem. I had a gut problem. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'd been trying to treat it from the outside with all these things, but it, you know, it all starts in your gut. Yeah. And for me, my transition was really going from thinking that food was the enemy and that I had to count calories and less is always more 
are always better <laughs> to going to, you know, if food is about nourishment, then you actually have to worry about getting enough every single day. And that switch is really what helped me change my relationships to my food and, and my body. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, people ask like, what did you guys do? You look different. You're acting different. <laughs> and so we told them that that's how we got our first few clients. And so Whitney and I would cook and deliver on our bicycles. And that's how we started. That was back in 2012. Yeah. Wow. Um, I can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> now we have um, about 80 employees and we have a kitchen in New York and LA, as well as offices on both coasts. And we deliver to all 48 states, continental states. Wow. Yeah. We've delivered over a million meals. There are so many different um, illnesses and um, symptoms that are triggered by food. You know, you, like you touched on being lethargic, my acne, and even anxiety, anxiety and depression, those can be triggered by eating um, the wrong diet also. Yeah. So one of the tips that we like to talk about is um, making sure that you're getting enough leafy greens every single day. And what it does is one, it provides the plant fiber. It provides incredible like detoxing ingredients like chlorophyll. Um, It's hydrating, which we like to talk about eating your water. Um, And that's sort of how you get the ultimate hydration. But more importantly, I think it's helpful for people because it tends to crowd out the bad stuff. So, you know, we say that the more that you can get of the good stuff, the less hungry you'll be. And so it just sort of automatically crowds out the bad stuff. And it doesn't mean that you have to stop eating, you know, sort of what you're used to. It's just that if you can promise yourself, yourself, you'll get, you know, six cups of greens every single day. Most people find that then there's a little less room for the other stuff. And then, you know, what I always say is people are walking around being okay with just feeling okay. And if you can just slowly start to make changes and Mm -hmm. substitute whole fresh organic plants for a few meals, you will start to feel and notice a change. And that's really inspiring. Mm -hmm. And it inspires you to then do it a little more often Mm -hmm. and then a little more often until, you know, the veil and the cloud really starts to, you know, move and you start to feel like yourself. Yeah. I think it's also when you start getting to see some of those results in the mirror too, mm-hmm. when you notice that your skin looks better and that you're starting to really get that glow, that your eyes are brighter and whiter and more alert looking, that you have more energy. Um, yeah. That your hormones are more regulated. Maybe you didn't even realize that your menstrual cycle was off, mm-hmm. but that's, that's one of your vital signs. You know, just like you should be peeing every day and pooping every day, which even some people don't do that regularly. But those are your vital signs. Is everything functioning regularly? And if they're not, then, you know, that's something that's like your check engine light saying, okay, something is wrong. We need to look at it and um, start making the steps to to change it. And uh, yeah, starting with leafy greens, is is definitely where we tell people to start. Even just, you know, put them into your morning smoothie, add them to your morning smoothie if you already do a smoothie in the morning. Put them into, if you're eating a sandwich for lunch, add them into your sandwich, a big bunch of arugula or, you know, some butterleaf lettuce. Um, if you're making a soup for dinner, stir some nice spinach into it. 
Like any way that you can to start adding more leafy greens into your diet is going to help. I love that. And I think that leads in a little bit to my question. Um, I'm plant-based, so I'm I'm vegan. And that's a lot of the reason why I really love Sakara. And I know that when I say the word vegan, it can be a little loaded. So I always say it with a, a little, you know, joke or something like that out after. But can you talk about the reasoning behind Saqqara being plant-based and kind of the research behind it that you were finding related to the benefits to um, your hormones and your microbiome? Sure. And so when we say plant-based, it's a little bit different for us mm-hmm. than um, vegan because for us, vegan means you don't eat meat and at all or any animal products. Whereas plant-based for us, how we view the word is that we base our diet off of plants. Mm-hmm. And then we're not put into a box of restriction where if we want to eat some, some meat or some eggs, perhaps some cheese on our pizza, then all of a sudden it's a, a bad thing. But you know, there is no restriction in what we in what we promote. there's It's just around getting more plants into your diet. Yeah. And I also think for us, you know, we wanted people to still be able to make a lot of choices for themselves. But what we're doing is we're providing, you know, this base, this foundation. And we know for a fact that if you eat this way, you will feel better than when you started. And so, you know, that's really our main goal. I think the choices if you eat with us five days a week, the choices that you make sort of on the weekends, you know, we give you guides and we say, you know, this is what we do or maybe mm-hmm. try this. But, you know, if you make other choices, I think the most important thing, especially, you know, with my background and yo-yo dieting, I wanted to make sure people didn't feel like they were on a diet. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure people didn't, you know, get to the t- table and feel guilty and wonder how many calories were in the French fries and crave those, but really just order a side salad and mm-hmm. and think about French fries all night. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of studies that link this notion of um, stress and overthinking and sort of stewing over things are linked to shortened telomeres. So they're actually linked to the aging process. So the telomeres are the like this code of DNA that's at the ends of your DNA, and they're what keep your DNA safe. And over time, as our cells replicate and replicate and replicate, those telomeres get shorter and shorter. And you know we think that that's one part of aging. And one thing that accelerates that is this notion of stress and what they they quoted as stewing over things. So I, you know, I really wanted to make sure that that was something that people could let go of or like these neuroses around food to have this sense of freedom around food where, mm-hmm. you know, what you're eating, you know, every day and you know that it's good for you and you don't have to think about it, it just shows up in your fridge and you just have to eat it. You don't, there's no calories on the box. There's no, you know, grams of fat or sugar or salt or anything. You know, you, there's a lot of trust that you have to have in us, but then hopefully what that does is it uh, gives you this sense of freedom. So by the time you are at the dinner table on Saturday night, you still have that sort of relationship to food and you just order what you're craving instead of overthinking it. And then you, you know, age more right. slowly. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. all, the, all the science out there really is pointing to plants as the secret to anti-aging. Um, you know, different fruits and vegetables have phytochemicals, phytonutrients, um, nutrients that only can be found in plants. So you're not going to find it 
in a box of crackers at the grocery store um, or you know in other processed foods. Um, there, you're only going to find these phytonutrients in plants, and some of these phytonutrients have been linked to um, you know being anti-cancer. That they'll help fight cancer. They'll help fight aging. They're going to go in and fight fight off free radicals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, help detoxify your body and and support your natural your body's natural detoxification systems. Um, so you know. When we talk about epigenetics and it being the study around how your food and environment um, affect which genes are turned on and turned off in your body, uh, daily uh, toxins just in your environment are is one piece of that puzzle and can and be one of the triggers. So eating foods that are that help support the body's natural detoxification system can help um, fight against those toxins. Yeah. And, you know, 80% of Americans are not getting enough fiber every single day. And that's the one thing that your microbiome eats. Mm-hmm. And so that's number one deterrent to your health. And so we know, we knew when we started Sakara and when we started, you know, developing our nutrition pillars, we knew that and we knew, you know, it's hard to make sure you're getting enough vegetables every single day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to do it for yourself. It's really hard to do it out in the world um, to make sure you're getting high quality organic plants. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, you know, if we could just provide that part, then we'd be helping 80% of America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the science just points toward making sure you're getting enough of these, you know, plant chemicals that Whitney was talking about, these phytonutrients, these flavonoids, making sure you're getting enough of those, making sure you're getting enough of the plant fiber every single day mm-hmm. and that the results are transformative. Yeah. We work with a, a doctor in Washington, D.C. Um, named Robin Chutkin. She has a book called The Microbiome Solution, which is an amazing book. I recommend that everybody read it. Um, we keep it almost, you know, like one of our Bibles on our desk that we look to and refer to. Um, but she, she's a, a gastroenterologist uh, in DC, and she is doing amazing work with her clients, her patients. I mean, um, helping treat them through food. She puts a lot of patients on her program and through probiotics, um, but is really challenging the way that. Western medicine uh, views health and and how we treat patients, how we treat people, these illnesses, um, and saying, you know, we really need to be looking at gut health and the microbiome um, and starting there. And so it's just it's it's a really interesting field and um, study right now, and we're just going to continue to learn so much more. But it's that's the place that we need to be starting really to treat anything. And that bacteria, um, like Danielle said, eats plants. Yeah, actually, Dr. Robin Chetkin has an amazing quote, and I can just tell it to you right now. She said, if you asked me to recommend the one thing that would have the biggest impact on the health of your gut and skin, it would be to eat as many leafy green vegetables as you can. If you want to encourage the growth of good bacteria, heal inflammation, improve motility, crowd out parasites, eliminate yeast, get rid of belly fat, balance your pH, quiet irritable bowel syndrome, cut your risk of colon cancer in half, boost your energy, lose weight, banish your bloat, and really glow from the inside out, then the single most important thing you need to do is eat greens every single day. Leafy greens are the embodiment of food as medicine. 
Mm. Yep. And she says, you don't have to like them. You just have to eat them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys still with us? Are you still here? Hope you're taking notes. Hope you're taking notes. We're so glad you guys are still listening. Because um, we got a good one. All right. Last but not least, in the least. In the least. Lacey Phillips, you know her, you love her. You from- heard her first on the Almost 30 podcast. <laughs> Actually, she you was, did. Her, this was her very first podcast. Freeanative.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she is changing the, the way you manifest, mm-hmm. which was so interesting for us and like blew my mind. Because I think- I, got, I get messages about it today. Yeah, it's it completely shifted the way in which I look at- attracting the things that I want and doing like a deeper dive. It's not just thinking about them and visualizing them and, you know, writing them down. It's really understanding energetically like why I am or am not attracting the things that I want or need in my life. So we talk about um, your subconscious Mm -hmm. and the limiting beliefs that you kind of need to untangle before really setting that intention and being clear about what you want. And we also talked about expanders. Yeah, expanders. Expanders rock. I think I've overused that word since that episode because everything, like I just noticed them now. LA's an expander. So much. Like even just moments, Mm -hmm. like if I'm very short side note, but was at a um, holiday party Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of quote unquote, like um, important people, I guess Mm -hmm. there. But- but I was there and I, at first before the party, I was like, oh man, am I going to feel so weird at this party? And everyone was so nice and it was like calm and it mm. just like felt really good. And I was like, oh, this is a moment, um, is expanding moment showing me that I can be doing what they're doing and at that level and be around people like that and interact and not have it be such like a, a gap between me and those people. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, it was an expanding moment. I was like, oh wow, this is what it feels like. So we talk about expanders and people Mm -hmm. in situations. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really fascinating. It helps you expand your consciousness to understand what you deserve or what what you're capable of. What you're capable of. Um, And we just talk about her process and methodology for how to manifest, um, how to clear your subconscious. So, I mean, we don't even really need to say it. This is amazing, amazing clip. So this is a finisher. Finisher. Take it home, Lacey, would you? <laughs> there you go, girl. <laughs> I'll talk about sort of the foundation and fundamentals, how it, it really is fundamentally different than what exists out there that I'm familiar with. Um, because most things that are out there, you know, such as the literature that I mentioned before, and I tend to call it pop new age. It's very spiritual bypass. It's like think in the vortex, get into the vibration, visualize, you know, turn the station happy, laugh, like be positive, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's actually very different than the way that I see manifestation and how it works. I believe that essentially the universe's only intention for us is to grow back into our authentic whole being of what we were supposed to have um, really harnessed in childhood, which is self-worth and just authenticity. And so, of course, through pain and shame and all the things we can go through, 
And to me, pain and shame, it can be very small or very big. It doesn't have to be sexual trauma. It can be the third grade teacher who told you you weren't good at singing and therefore you threw that into your shadow and you shrink and you're small in that place. So I believe through the pain and shame and all of the whatever we've experienced in our life, we tend to create limiting beliefs, right, that exist in our subconscious. And so I'm very subconscious based in my work. And so I think all of that stuff lives in our limbic subconscious brain. And that's actually the place we project from our beliefs. So I don't believe that it's our thoughts that attract things into our life. I believe it's our beliefs, especially those limiting self-worth beliefs. And so my process is all about, and sort of the formula, how it differs immensely is that I don't think that you can visualize and have things come to you because I believe that once we create our subconscious mind, it has sort of a structure of belief around it. And if let's say, you know, someone's, their calling in authenticity is to be an artist and they grew up with two banking parents who always said art's a hobby or they weren't really seen for their art or they never experienced or watched anybody as a successful artist, they don't have an expansion around that. So therefore, they have to actually go through, and it's simple psychology, mirror neurons and expand through watching other people who they relate to. I think that's how we all learn as a society in a village. When we can identify what you know, we recognize of ourselves and someone else, we tend to expand a lot quicker. So that's one really big element that's actually really fundamental in my process is that it's not about visualizing and seeing yourself do the thing. You need to literally go out and see and show your subconscious what's possible through your expanders. So that's one element of it that's very different. And then another element that's very different is I believe that we receive lessons and tests from the universe, which once I figured that out for myself, boy, did manifestation <laughs> become a lot quicker for me. And that's something that nobody ever talks about. So because the universe, in my opinion, and what I teach, its only objective is for us to grow into that authentic, powerful, whole self and project from that state of being, it's always constantly sending us things into our life to mirror where we're small in order for us to recognize, take accountability and shift that littleness about us. So therefore, we have to project bigger. And so what that looks like, I think that anything that comes into your life is just a lesson. I don't really see things like love and friendship. And I don't think anyone's your enemy or your lover or your friend. Everyone's your teacher, right? So when you take all of that off and you just have the essence and the human experience and you're just seeing the energy of things, usually something's bigger or smaller or praying. And once you find that balance, that's when you connect with your manifestation. So taking that back a little bit, let's say that there's a friend, there's a woman, and I think this is very common for some women, so I'll just use this because it feels like it's a universal example, but let's take the friend who's always dating the emotionally unavailable men, and that's all just because in her shadow and her belief system, she's unworthy for A, B, C, and D. So the universe will keep sending her the same type of experience in a different body. That All that's happening each time, it's just an opportunity to see that mirror and go and shift those limiting beliefs. However, once you do that, it's important to pass the next test because you are going to be offered the same experience again. And so this is where I become really pivotal in the process with my clients to be like, that's absolutely a test. You have to turn that down. And when you do, you create what I call situational magnetism. You become very 
magnetic. So it's like after a breakup or you leave that shitty job and the universe loves that because it thinks you're stepping higher into your worth, into your wholeness. Therefore, it'll start to send you things to guide you along the way, little gifts, you know. So the lessons and tests portion, once you start to really understand that in your or in someone's process, my process, my client's process, it becomes so quick and easy to recognize and to turn down anything that's not serving us. Um, And that speeds up this process a lot quicker. So there's three elements that kind of mean the world. In manifestation, it's expanding your belief system in order to create that space. The second is unblocking. So what I mean by that is going into the subconscious and really reprogramming those limiting beliefs. That's what's going to have you project from a different state of worthiness, especially if you can find the root of what's been blocking or attracting in what you don't want. After that point, it's all about passing the tests that are going to come to you. And once that happens, bam, you align with what you're manifesting, essentially. For the going into your, this is what I always have a problem with, and it's just like a personal thing. Mm-hmm. How, like, sometimes I'm like, what are my limiting beliefs? You mm-hmm. know, I feel like I have a good understanding of them, but I'm like, isn't everything my limiting, you know? Mm-hmm, like, yeah. maybe I have them more of some and less than others, but how do we figure out what those are? So there's so many ways to go about it, but my favorite Mm -hmm. just generally is to look at patterns in your life that are continuing to show up that don't make you feel good. So let's say that you keep having the same argument with different people or... You know, a great example for women that I think they can relate to is let's say you have drama with similar uh, types of women over and over. Uh, And then we can start to look from there and examine why you're attracting that in. You know, were you enmeshed with your mom? So anytime drama pops up with a woman, you want to run. I mean, there's so many elements that are psychologically based at that point that we can kind of detect. But the very first start of awareness is looking at what doesn't feel good in your life. Because I believe that everything outside of us is a reflection of something we're projecting from our subconscious. So if we can start identifying the awareness of what doesn't feel good, especially seeing how it's existing in patterns in different areas of our lives, because one thing is always attached to another. So if it's happening in love, it's happening in some way with money. You know, if we're small in love in one way and being kind of like bullied or taken advantage of or not respected, we're usually having that happen in our finances as well. Mm-hmm. So when we can start to recognize that, it's that's what the work comes or my work comes in with my clients where I'm like, you're going to journal that out until you find the root. What did that parallel, you know, in parenting? Were you being treated that way or did your parents not, you know, help you uh, garner a really healthy sense of self-worth around that because they didn't have it. They had a gap in it. So once we figure that out, it's super easy to go into the subconscious mind and start reprogramming that. And another way that I work with my clients is I just take them under and I I just ask them questions from a very hypnotic place and get the truth right away. And usually the subconscious will show you really quickly, you know, so it's like if I'll take them somewhere, I'll be like, you know, it'll be them at six and it's the girl in school that didn't let them play with the group because they just didn't have enough money or they weren't cool enough. And then, you know, I'll ask them, where did they learn that, that they weren't cool enough if they didn't have enough money? And really quickly, they'll find the memory to attach to that. And once we have that route, it's super simple to start reprogramming it. So there's a lot of ways to start identifying with that. And that's sort of the gift of 
there's two ways I go about it. It's like if we work in person, it happens really quickly and really fast or over Skype or, you know, anything. But because there's so much demand versus the supply of spaces I have available, and I tend to give a lot of homework to my clients, I essentially created what's called Unblocked. And so it's very affordable and I do them every six weeks. And they're the universal issues that I find throughout people in my practice. So like the next one that's coming up is reparenting your inner child and adult selves. It's not at all like the John Bradshaw version. He's like the really big um, author and and therapist who brought a lot of inner child work about. This one's much more detailed to manifestation. Like, were you seen? Were you actually consciously wanted? And so through that experience, they go through and they have tons of exercises and what I call deep imaginings. It's my version of sort of hypnosis. It's kind of very different than other hypnosis. And so they go through all of that and they get this self exploration that's kind of equatable to what we would do in session. And then they start to learn tools about how they can reprogram those roots that they've figured out just to speed up their process. So it's like so much of this is about the homework and the shifting self. Doing that will just make you a more magnetic human who cares what you want on the planet. So that's sort of my approach to the awareness. There you have it, fam. There you have it, fam. 2017 recap. We s- literally skimmed the surface yes. and there's so many other episodes and conversations. So mm-hmm. definitely go back. But, listen to the apps. Yeah, listen to the apps. So just a few things before we move on. Uh, next week we have Luke's story. It's a double... Mm. Oh, no. The next week we have Alyssa Goodman and then we Mm -hmm. have Luke Story. Mm -hmm. So a lot of amazing episodes coming up. Stay tuned, subscribe so that you have those episodes in your iTunes um, podcast inbox ready to go for you every Tuesday. Um, Yeah, find us on Facebook. We have our secret Facebook group, which Mm -hmm. is about to hit 2,000 members. Mm -hmm. and Of sweet, supportive people (sighs) that are talking all day, just being thoughtful all the time. So it's the yeah. best. It's how you connect with the community of badass individuals that is Almost 30 Nation. Yeah. Um, and exciting news. We are relaunching our website. Mm-hmm. You guys, <laughs> website Fresh to death. is insane. It's insane. Chloe Leonard of Leo Creative. Mm-hmm. Read at our website. You guys, I, don't, I can't say anything because it's not going to do, it's the most crazy thing I've ever seen. It's so fucking good. It's detailed. In a way fun. that like I was having like, oh. fun surfing this website. Yes. I was like, wait a second. Oh, there's a little thing here that yes. takes me here. It was- it's like Candyland. There's like trap yeah. doors. I'm like, oh. And then I clicked to go here. Yeah. It was great. And really exciting. We have our mm-hmm. shop that is going to be live. So mm-hmm. we did our first collaboration mm-hmm. with, uh, the brand. with a brand that we love, Almost, uh, Almost 30 and Bourbon Barbies. Uh, Bourbon Barbies um, is- a sustainable brand. They repurpose, you know, vintage sweat sweatshirts and flannels, and we're obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. And they did a rad job they on, it. on these pieces. So we will be releasing eight at a time. Mm-hmm. They are one of a kind. So each one rare is rare. 
Very rare. Very, very rare. Almost Get on it. Um, And most of them are oversized, just so you know, just Mm -hmm. kind of as a disclaimer. uh, We do put it on there if it is a little bit smaller, but basically all the sizes are medium, large, supposed to be kind of oversized. You can kind of make it your own. You Mm -hmm. can tie it up. You can let it loose. You can- Looks so cool. It's so comfy, so good, really good quality. We love them so much. So head on over to almost30podcast.com, A-L-M-O-S-T-3-0 podcast.com. Check out the new site. Shop merch. our merchy merch. And we love this collab because we love the ladies at Bourbon Barbie, Barbies. It is a woman-owned business. They are all about sustainable fashion and they are super mm. environmentally conscious. So yeah. this is not just any old collab. It is a thoughtful, conscious collab. And we're so excited to share it with you. Yeah. All right, guys. And then- Oh, oh my God. And then Say I'm going to keep going. Say now, it, Krista. Now that I have you. Um, also, if you guys are interested in starting a podcast, mm. you can buy the How to Start a Podcast ebook guide um, on the website. We get people that ask us about how to start a podcast every single day. And this is every single thing that you need if you want to start a podcast. It's $39 on our website. So go get that. And then also to join our Patreon. So yes, our Patreon has exclusive content. We do extra episodes. We do videos. We share the latest information with you. So our Patreon members get a um, dad baseball hat. So one of our rad, almost 30 hats. And then they get exclusive stuff. So we would love if you join patreon.com slash almost 30. It means the world to us. So thanks for doing that too. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. And Krista and I are speaking in February at a couple uh, seminars um, and summits it's a summit weekend. Yeah, field trip. It's like a summer camp mm-hmm. for creatives. It's going to be, magical. I think, we'll, magical, life-changing. Mm-hmm. So we will be teaching a class about podcasting. And then we are also speaking at the workshop uh, run by Blogettes, and that will be in Arizona. So check out Blogettes on Instagram and their website. Yeah, we're super excited. So if yeah. you guys are in those areas, come and see us. And also for the yeah for yeah field trip, you can get one hundred dollars off your ticket price by using the code almost thirty. Oh, lots to come. Lots to come, guys. And Stay thanks tuned. so much for being a part of Almost Thirty Nation. Means so much to us really deeply, you know, Mm -hmm. that you guys listen every week and you guys connect with us and you guys connect with one another and you guys um, are interested in learning and personal growth. It means um, the world to me and hopefully provided value in your life. So thank you. Thank you a hundred times. We love you. See you next week.